Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Super You're ready, right? I'm ready to do it. You know, I, we, had, we had the great year. I'm tired of talking about the great year. I'm ready to move on. We won the national championship. It was great. We celebrated for a week. And then after that week, I was ready to move on. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football. Whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or even IDP, we got you covered all season long. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. I'm your host, John June, at JR Football Nerd on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at FF Diagnostics on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for joining us today. I hope everyone's being safe out there with the coronavirus epidemic that's going on. Um, just remember to you know be safe. Remember to wash your hands. No handshaking. Use fist bumps, elbows if you have to. Um, you know, make sure you're not coughing or sneezing uh, on your hands or anything. You don't want to want to do it into your elbow. Hit that dab when you cough or sneeze. Uh, and just remember to load up on some zinc and some vitamin C. Help support that immune system, you know. So you got to be safe so we can uh, continue to be healthy and make it to this football season in, uh, ready to go. All right, guys. So now that that's out of the way, let's get to some football. Dynasty rookie season is officially here, y'all. The combine just concluded, so now we have a better idea of the of some of the incoming rookies and their draft stock and how how maybe moving NFL free agency is coming up. So we'll have an idea of what the actual team needs will be heading into the NFL draft, as the teams will try to fill a bunch of their needs through free agency. Uh, so that's obviously going to dictate uh, what's going to happen, right? So you know, for example. Uh, if the Jets, I'm going to use the Jets as an example. If the Jets go out and they, you know, potentially sign a tackle, um, you know, Jason Peters, or maybe they trade for a Trent Williams, uh, then that opens them up to not take a tackle at 11. You know, they're not locked in taking a tackle at 11. They can go ahead and, you know, take an off, take a offensive player like a like a one of these wide receivers, or maybe even go with with an edge rusher. Uh, with the kid out of LSU, so the what happens in free agency is going to 100% dictate what happens in the in the NFL draft, right? So, and we've already seen some stuff go down. Uh, the Jags traded cornerback AJ Bouye to the Broncos for a fourth round pick, uh, and the Chargers acquired a young, talented offensive guard and Trey Turner from the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a 32 year old, oft injured left tackle in Russell Okun. Um, don't know if there's any more to that deal. We haven't received any word on that, but right now it seems to be like a one-for-one trade, which is kind of odd because the the Panthers are trading away a a talented uh, Pro Bowl-level offensive guard in Trey Turner, who's just 25 or 26 years old. Uh, In in exchange, they're getting a 32-year-old left tackle in Russell Okung. And they're actually, they ate a decent amount of the salary on the trade on. Uh, the Panthers ate a decent amount of, of Trey Turner's salary, so they're still paying him to play for another team. 
I really don't get that. There's got to be more to the deal. Um, but obviously, we'll we'll find out more as as uh, you know time progresses. Uh, the LA Chargers also signed Austin Eckler to an extension to an extension, uh, which we expected to happen. I actually broke down NFL free agency and talked about Austin Eckler landing back with the Chargers on the free agent primer show, which was episode 55. So you can go back into the archives and listen to that. Uh, I also broke down dynasty buy and sell candidates. So if you miss those episodes, you can go back and listen to those as well. But you know why you're here. This is Dynasty Rookie Rankings. Um, you know, this is, we, we, like I said, we saw the Combine, um, you know, put that in context with, you know, some of these guys' college film, and now we're forming an informed uh, decision, right? So um, without further ado, let's get to the rankings. And, and so I'm going to start where it usually always starts. That's going to be the quarterback position. And QB1 is not going to be a surprise, but that's going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, He's my QB1. The Heisman Trophy winning quarterback out of LSU is the favorite to be the number one overall pick in April's draft. After her historic college football season, which saw him not just win the Heisman, but lead the Tigers to a national championship. Burrow had had outstanding production in his senior year at LSU, throwing for 5,671 yards, 60 touchdowns, and six interceptions, while also running for almost 400 yards and another five touchdowns. Now, I don't expect Burrow to make a huge impact in year one, just because rookie quarterbacks rarely come in and light the world on fire, um, unless, you know, like they're doing it with their legs, but especially um, quarterbacks that are going to the number, the teams with the number one overall pick, because that team was not good. Um, so, you know, you're not expecting him to get a lot of help. Now, if the Bengals can upgrade their offensive line, if they can bring, uh, you know, AJ Green back, and you know they already have Tyler Boyd, um, and and we saw what kind of, with this offense, what Zach Taylor was trying to do, um, you know there there is a glimmer of hope, but I'm not going to put all my eggs in that basket. Um, but in terms of dynasty, I wouldn't be surprised to see Joe Burrow be one of the top five to seven quarterbacks in fantasy in the next few years and probably real life for that matter. So <clears throat> some of the things that this guy does, you know, it doesn't really translate to the box score, his ability to evade pressure, moving, move in and out of the pocket, um, avoid, you know, stupid decisions, uh, avoid fumbles because he keeps two hands on the ball. Um, this guy is a, you know, he's, he's well ahead of where quarterbacks are at this point in their career coming out of college. Um, and, the, and, you know, the guy's only 23 years old. So, um, yeah, the future is very bright for him. And the Cincinnati Bengals' future is very bright as well. Uh, moving on to QB2, man. And that's not going to be a huge surprise either. That's going to be Tua Tungavailoa, uh, the quarterback out of Alabama. Uh, he was on his way to another really good season before going down with a hip injury nine games into the season. Um, unfortunately, Tua already has a history of, is- of of injury issues as he had the tightrope procedure done on both of his ankles. Uh, if not for the injury discussion, there would probably be a louder conversation about Tua being the number one overall pick in the upcoming draft. But everything out of Indy at the NFL Combine is that Tua's medicals are clean. Tua profiles as an athletic passer who can extend plays. And because of his size and his play style, he's often compared to a Drew Brees-Russell Wilson hybrid. He might not play right away in year one, 
as a team that drafts him might want to make sure he's fully healthy, barring any injuries. But this guy is going to be a good one, man. Um, there's conversations that you know the Redskins might take him at two, or that um, Detroit could potentially take him at three. Um, you know, or you know maybe a team trades up to ahead of the Dolphins, but he's widely expected to go to the Dolphins. Um, you know, but we'll just have to continue to monitor that situation in April. Uh, QB three for me is going to be Justin Herbert. And this is interesting because had Herbert come out last year, he very well could have been the number one quarterback off the board, but he stayed at Oregon for another year. And now the highest he may go is the third quarterback off the board. Herbert was a four year starter at Oregon and won a decent amount of games. He's a big athletic kid. He measured in at six foot six, two hundred and thirty six pounds with ten inch hands, uh, and he ran four six eight at the NFL Combine. He's not perfect by any means, but in today's NFL, which values movement and athleticism at the quarterback position, Herbert definitely definitely fits that mold. His college production was great during his career at Oregon. He had over ten thousand five hundred passing yards, ninety five touchdowns to twenty three interceptions. He also ran for an additional 560 yards and 13 touchdowns in his career. Herbert grades out pretty well in my quarterback prospect model. Assuming he goes in the first round, which he's widely expected to, he receives a higher score than than the other potential first-round quarterbacks, such as Burrow, Tua, and Jordan Love, who we'll get to in a minute. But um, this means he's widely expected to lead the pack in fantasy points through the first three years. And depending on which situation he ends up in, that could turn out to be true. Uh, for me, ideal landing spots for Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert would probably be, probably be uh, the L.A. Chargers, the Indianapolis Colts, or the or the L.A. Raiders. Moving on to QB four, um, and this is where things start to get a, a bit funky, uh, because until now, my quarterback rankings mirrored what is widely expected to happen in April's draft. Um, but Jalen Hurts here is going to be my QB four. And now there's a possibility Hurts can go in the first round, but right now he's expected to go in round two or round three. Uh, Hurts profiles as an athletic alpha dog who's not quite developed as a passer, but he showed more arm talent in Oklahoma's air raid system than he showed at Alabama, where he was asked mostly to use his legs and um, not asked to throw a lot. So that was definitely intriguing to see. Um, in that year, but we obviously know he's athletic, but he emphasized that at the combine this weekend, uh, running four five nine at six two two twenty two. Uh, he passed for almost ninety five hundred yards and eighty touchdowns to go along with thirty two hundred yards and forty three rushing touchdowns. To say he's a dual threat would be a complete understatement, and as we've seen with guys like Lamar Jackson like Josh Allen, RG3, or even Kyler Murray to an extent last year. Dual threat guys have an advantage in fantasy football. And so now now how I have these guys ranked could ultimately change based on landing spots, but based on his profile, my quarterback model likes him more than any other quarterback if we don't consider what happens in the NFL draft. And that makes sense uh, if he ends up somewhere he can play right away and a team willing to embrace what he what he does similar to, um, you know what Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson. Ideal landing spots for Hertz, in my opinion, would be the L.A. Raiders, the New England Patriots, or the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Um, Hertz is, you know, as I've touched on, he's an he's an athletic quarterback. Uh, he's gotten better as a passer from Alabama to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to the Senior Bowl, from the Senior Bowl to the Combine, and I expect that to continue. So, um, Hertz could definitely provide value at the quarterback position, not just for an NFL team, but um, in fantasy because. Um, you know, as as we talked about just now, his legs, man, they can, he can make plays with his legs and he can extend plays with them, which leads to to bigger uh, chunk plays in the pass game. So, definitely, uh, Hertz is going to be somebody that's going to be on my radar come dynasty rookie drafts. Now we get to QB five, and that's going to be Jordan Love out of Utah State. He's widely projected to be the fourth quarterback off the board in the upcoming NFL draft. He's a big kid at 6'4", 224 pounds, with 10.5-inch hands. He was a three-year starter at Utah State and is known for his big arm and ability to make off-schedule play, off plays, which leads to some comparisons to a poor man's Patrick Mahomes. I personally don't like going there, um, but that's not what's up for debate here. Love is projected to be a first-round pick, and in every dynasty draft, every dynasty rookie draft, one of these quarterbacks that's drafted in the first round can be had for extremely cheap in dynasty rookie drafts, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if this if this year that quarterback is Jordan Love. Um, and again, it happens every year. Daniel Jones was that guy last year. Uh, the year before that, it was Josh Allen. Um, you know, so it's gonna happen, and especially when you have so many quarterbacks taken in the first round as you are expected to have here, um, yeah, the, those guys tend to fall under, fall under the radar. And, you know, not saying that those guys always will end up to be, turn out to be like a Daniel Jones or a Josh Allen did, but um, quarterbacks are valuable, especially in dynasty leagues. Teams are always looking for them because if you're in a 12-man dynasty league and everybody has two or three quarterbacks, uh, that means that every quarterback is, is there's no quarterbacks on waivers, and so if there's an injury or something or someone's struggling at the position, you can always flip them. So if you can get a Jordan Love with a fourth round rookie pick, and then you can turn around and and flip Jordan Love for, you know, a second or a third round rookie pick, uh, that's increasing the return on your investment. So um, definitely would not hesitate to pull the trigger there. If if uh, if your needs or your 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 board falls accordingly, um, the Colts are expected to have interest, and that wouldn't be a bad landing spot. And so uh, that's a team that's com that's built to compete now. And so you know, the Raiders, the Colts, and the Bucks are all teams that I think would be um, would be ideal landing spots for Jordan Love. Now let's move on to the running backs. The running back, y'all. <laughs> All right, starting with my RB1, that is going to be DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia. Swift is my RB1 in this class, and he's expected to be the first running back off the board in April, and he could even go in the first round. Swift checks all the boxes as a running back prospect. He's got good size and build at 5'8", 212. He's got good speed at 4'4", 8", and 40". He was productive in his time at Georgia, running for over 1,000 yards each of the last two years. He averaged 6.6 .6 yards per carry in his college career, 
while also catching 73 passes in 43 career games at Georgia. He's got great vision, he's got great lateral quickness, and he's able to string a variety of moves together to make defenders miss. The best thing about him is he's a home run hitter, and he could do well in any offensive system. Um, he also is a he also does wor- does well as a pass blocker as well, which means that he'll be on the field in year one. You wouldn't have to worry about that. Um, Daniel Jeremiah actually compared him to DeAndre to uh, D'Angelo Williams, which makes sense when you watch him because um, of that thick, compact build, uh, but also the lateral quickness and agility and the home run hitting speed. So uh, DeAndre Swift, he's RB1 currently. RB2, man, that's going to be Jonathan Taylor. And this guy earned it, man, because I came into this draft season with low expectations for Jonathan Taylor, the running back out of Wisconsin, mainly because Wisconsin is usually known for having a great rushing game at the college level. Their offensive lines are always um, some of the top offensive linemen in the in the NFL draft. Um, but, man, did Taylor live up to that tradition and, can, and keep that trend going of, of great rushing uh, production at the at the at the uh, University of Wisconsin, he ran for almost 6,200 yards and 50 touchdowns in three seasons at Wisconsin. He fell 23 yards short of 2,000 yards his freshman year, but he ran for 2,000 yards each of the last two years. His production is clearly off the charts, but he's my RB two right now mainly because he put on a show at the combine in Indy. He ran 4.39. At 5'10", 226 pounds, to go along with a 36-inch vert. These numbers show his explosiveness and potential home run ability. He also showed well in the on-field work, primarily catching the football. He showed natural hands, plucking the ball with his hands away from his body, and he didn't fight the football like other running backs do coming out of college. Taylor only caught 42 passes in 41 college games, but he caught 26 passes in, in his last year at Wisconsin after catching just 16 in the previous two years. If teams believe that Taylor can be a weapon in the pass game along with what he can do in the running game, then he could go earlier than originally anticipated in the NFL draft. Um, Jonathan Taylor, again, those those combine numbers, very, very similar um, to Saquon Barkley, who measured in at 5'10 or 5'11, 226 pounds, Ran 4.41 in the 40, um, but had a 41-inch vertical jump. Um, obviously, Saquon, we we saw him. We we saw the talent that he was coming out of Penn State. Jonathan Taylor is not that player, um, but Jonathan Taylor uh, definitely is a he's NFL ready running back. Um, you know, the biggest questions about him are always going to be about his pass game production because Wisconsin doesn't throw the ball a lot. But um, if he can get into a, to a team with a good with a good coaching staff and, um, you know, veteran running back there to be able to teach him how to, um, how to pass block, how to work in protection, how to work routes, I think Jonathan Taylor could be productive, um, you know, even if the receiving work doesn't come in year one. RB3 for me, that's going to regrettably be J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State. I wanted to put him higher, man, like all pre-combine. This guy was my RB1, and I really, really want to put him higher. But after not working out at Indy, 
He's given way to Swift and Taylor as they answered some of the questions teams teams and talent evaluators had may have had about them. Dobbins had over 5,000 yards from scrimmage in three seasons at Ohio State while scoring 43 college touchdowns in 42 career games. Dobbins is a bit smaller than Swift and Taylor at 5'9", 209, but he runs with so much violence and aggression. I actually compared his running style to Ahmad Bradshaw, who's actually 5'9", 215, uh, was what he was when he when he was playing. Um, but both run with physicality, even though they're smaller in stature. Uh, Dobbins is able to string moves together, and he has good awareness of the bodies around him and the vision to see running lanes or even create new ones. He also caught 71 passes in college at Ohio State, so there's potential for him to make an impact as a receiver. We don't know his workout numbers, though, as he didn't work out at the combine or do any of the on-field work, so we're going to have to wait until his pro day to get some of those testing numbers. But as of now, he's my RB3. Um, but don't be surprised if you find me in a you know in a draft with the 101 and I take this guy. So um, Cam Akers is going to be my RB4, and I don't think I've fallen more in love with a prospect during this process as I have with Cam Akers. To be honest, before the combine, he was someone whose film I hadn't really watched, but as I was watching the combine, he continued to stick out to me. He ran well in the 40 at 447. At 5'10", 217 pounds, so that's a really good time. Uh, but watching him do the on-field work was even more impressive. He looked smooth in everything that he did, whether it was catching the football or running through bag drills. His elite-level footwork was on display all night, even at one point where, even to the point where they joked on NFL Network that one of the drills should be named after him. I immediately watched his film the next day, and I saw a player that has great contact balance, great vision to go with elite lateral quickness. He will also he was also used as a receiver at Florida State, and his production was just okay when compared to the other guys in the class, um, as he had 3,361 scrimmage yards in 36 games, but he played on an FSU team that went 18-20 and 20 during his three seasons there, and the team struggled with poor offensive line play. He might not go as high in the draft as the other three guys, maybe round three or round four, but he'll definitely make an, a day one impact for whichever team selects him. Now moving on to the RB5. That is going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or CEH, as you might see it written some places. Um, the running This running back didn't produce much in his first two seasons, but he took a major step forward this past season as he had 1,867 yards from scrimmage and 17 touchdowns, which are higher than the numbers he posted in his first two seasons combined, which was 831 yards from scrimmage and seven touchdowns. After a senior graduated from LSU, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire took over the starting role and showed out for an LSU team that ended up winning a national title. Now, he played on a great team as the LSU Tigers had more players invited to the combine than any other school this year. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is really is a really good player in his own right. He's a bit shorter at 5'7", but he's thick at 207 pounds. He ran 4'6 flat, which is not a great time, but he showed good explosiveness with a 39.5-inch vertical jump. He's a smooth player, though, whose, contact, whose compact build is almost a plus as defenders bounce off of his fire hydrant-like frame. He's used, he was used as a receiver at LSU as well, as he caught 55 passes last year in 15 games. His landing spot will obviously ultimately decide 
how well he does in year one, but he's someone that can produce right away if given the opportunity. Now that wraps up part one of my pre-NFL Draft Dynasty rookie rankings. Come back next week for part two as I'll go over my wide receivers and tight ends. Thank you for listening, everybody, and we are out.